Okay, let's go into your case, Steve, your 72-year-old lady. Right. So this is a 72-year-old woman who uh, approximately three years ago I saw for pancytopenia and diagnosed hypersplenism. She had cirrhosis at that time and biopsy of the liver that can prove cirrhosis and serology prove hepatitis C. She received no treatment for her hepatitis C, and I would follow her periodically for her cytopenias. She also was obese, had type 2 diabetes mellitus, hypertension, hyperlipidemia. And I actually saw her in December of 07, before she was coming down to Florida to spend the winter, and examined her, and my notes at that time showed a normal breast exam. So she comes back in May of 2008, noticing a large left breast mass. And she had a mass that was about five to six centimeters hard, some fullness in her left axilla. And she had a surgeon she had previously seen, previously negative mammograms. She saw her surgeon, I referred her for a biopsy, and she came back after having a mastectomy. She had a left modified radical mastectomy revealing a 7 by 4 by 4 centimeter invasive poorly differentiated ductal carcinoma, high grade, with a small focus of DCIS, which was high grade solid type with central necrosis. She had focal lymphovascular invasion. The nipple revealed dermal invasion by carcinoma, and focal dermal lymphatic involvement was also present in other parts of the tumor. The skin had dermal invasion by carcinoma. 19 out of 27 lymph nodes were positive for metastatic carcinoma with focal extracapsular extension and permeation of axillary lymphatics. The estrogen receptor was 60% positive, progesterone receptor 40% positive, and HER2 by FISH 1.9. Can you talk a little bit more about the woman herself and kind of what her condition was and lifestyle? Very anxious. She was nulliparous, lived with her husband who had just recently retired, and actually they planned on coming to Florida this year to retire for this winter. Very anxious, very difficult when you reported any news to her. When she came for pancytopenia, she thought she was coming for anemia. When she was diagnosed with hepatitis C, really couldn't handle the news, but did come. She was very concerned about a medical condition, and this mass just popped up. Uh, it's not that she hadn't gone for surveillance mammography. So extremely upset about this and also not very receptive to receiving chemotherapy. But generally good condition? Mm, diabetes not well controlled. Performance obese. status? Her performance status, I would say, would be a two. So Amon, you have a lady with a very nasty tumor where normally you'd be thinking about chemotherapy. You have cirrhosis, hypersplenism, hepatitis C, obesity, and generally, I guess, sounds like maybe not the best condition in general. What would you be thinking? I think with the comorbidities in this patient, it makes it a difficult choice to offer her chemotherapy because I think if a lady who has pancytopenia to start with because of hypersplenism to give her chemotherapy, even when we try in these type of patients with metastatic disease who are negative, tolerance to chemotherapy is very poor in spite of all the growth factors. So I think in her case, I would be more inclined to give a definitive radiation therapy because of the lymphovascular invasion, because of multiple positive node, because of skin involvement, and also give her maybe aromatase inhibitor. You know, it's interesting, the difference in some of the tumor cultures. The colon people, I think, are much more aggressive, the investigators, about using chemotherapy in older patients. One of the things they say is, 
Well, what would you do six months or a year later if that person develops metastatic disease? Would you use chemo? This kind of goes back to your 82-year-old also. And they think, well, if you treat him with chemo then, why not treat him chemo in the adjuvant situation with a hope towards cure? For example, your 82-year-old, do you think she would have accepted chemo with metastatic disease? I hard to tell with her. Maybe not, huh? But, you know, I mean, if she had metastatic disease, maybe maybe an AI plus trastuzumab would be a pretty reasonable recommendation, too. What do you think about that thinking, Amon? I think that thinking is very appropriate because the thing is that we have to see. I am speaking from the experience, few patients I have seen, even in metastatic setting where we're trying to treat. This was the hepatitis C? Hepatitis C with hypersplenism, with bone marrow, which is compromised because of that. They tolerate chemotherapy very poorly. And I think she is a very poor protoplasm to start with. And I think to treat her aggressively, you may cause significant morbidity and even maybe a substantial risk of mortality from the complication from the systemic therapy. So you'd be thinking twice even if she had metastatic disease? In metastatic setting, I would still treat her with endocrine therapy first. Can you follow up with what happened with the patient? So I had the same trepidation about treating her, but when talking to her and telling her what her real prognosis was, she was amenable to some type of treatment. So I actually treated her with TC. She got two courses and with growth factors. Without a problem, she tolerated really well. After her third treatment, she required a transfusion. So it was about... I think three days or four days post her third course of TC, she got two units of PAC cells as an outpatient. The following day, she called and said that her hand had blown up. So she came to the office very concerned, and she had a left mastectomy. In the left arm, she had about a 1% lymphedema. But on both, the dorsum of both hands were swollen, tender, red, The fingers were cyanotic. The nail beds were fine. The palms of the hands were fine. There were no nail changes, and her feet were okay. You know, I was really puzzled. I thought initially, and actually she got all her treatment peripherally. So I thought maybe she developed the cellulitis from the transfusion, phobitis cellulitis, but it was only the dorsal surface of the hand, and it was bilateral. So I treated her with an antibiotic for cellulitis, We sent her for Doppler studies to rule out thrombosis, and she had no evidence of any thrombosis. She came back. Actually, when she called on the phone, I told her to take Benadryl. I thought maybe it was a reaction to the transfusion. So she took Benadryl. She came in. There was no improvement. I gave her the antibiotics. She came in two days later with no improvement. And I sent it to her surgeon at that time, and he agreed to continue the antibiotics. It did resolve after about 10 days. Her hands were fine. She completed a course of antibiotics. So for her fourth course of TC, I had a dose reduce because she did develop more cytopenias despite growth factors. And she got a fourth course of TC and 48 hours later developed the same problem with her hands. The dorsum of both hands, the left a little worse than the right. And at this point, I felt it was a likely reaction to the taxotere or taxotere and cytoxin. And I gave her steroids, and that improved. So I initially had planned on giving her six courses of TC, but I stopped at four. And actually, I sent her now for radiation to the chest wall and to the axilla, and I started her on a Rimidex. And my question 
is, is there a role for Herceptin with a 1.9 HER2 by fish? Peter? Well, you know, all the guidelines say it's got to be greater than 2.2. And so the information that those patients benefit is pretty thin. I think that in the absence of compelling information that it works, I probably wouldn't treat her with that. She's got all kinds of risk factors for getting congestive heart failure as well. Her mugger scan before we started chemo was good, a normal mugger scan. Armand, what's your take on the issue of, you know, the potential benefit of adjuventrastuzumab in the so-called HER2-low or HER2-normal tumors that's been brought out by Soonpake and the NSABP? They had the letter in the New England Journal, and there's some talk about maybe there's going to be a trial looking at trastuzumab in these patients. I think that's an important question. The thing is that all those patients who were in those studies, they were somewhere initially tested and they were positive. Either by IHC, they were three plus. Did you do an IHC? No, this fish was done immediately. I think if IHC, if she's three plus, I would treat her. I think even these borderline cases like this, we discussed that in our own group. And my personal bias is to err on the side to give the patient benefit of the doubt and discuss the option and tell the patient that this is a gray area where there is very limited data or no data. And risk of recurrence in these patients may be substantially higher. I think I would think that trastuzumab, if she was able to get four cycles of TC, I think she should tolerate trastuzumab reasonably well because it does not cause cardiac dysfunction by itself in a very high percent of patients. Questions, comments? Have you ever used the Oncotype DX specifically for their HER2 new data, not so much the recurrence score for this patient, but looking, using that method to do a confirmation for these borderline I think, yes, it can provide another confirmatory methodology. That's why I was asking if she was, say, IHC was done and it was 3 plus, I would be far more comfortable offering this lady trastuzumab because most of those patients who were in this gray zone in the B31 and the intergroup study, they were in one lab, original lab, they were positive. So I think it was some dichotomy when the tests were done centrally that there was a discrepancy. So did you treat her with testosterone? No, she's right now getting radiation and arimidex. And I was waiting actually for the input You're waiting here. for feedback here? What do you think you're going to do? I'm going to test for the IHC. I'll ask them to test for that. Can I just make one more point? Is We had a very interesting case recently where... It was one of these borderline her 2 new cases. And when you actually look at the histology with our pathologists, we actually saw two different populations of cancer cells sort of patchy. And if you sort of average out the her 2 new it's sort of intermediate. But if you actually look at the poor differentiated population, and they use SISH or KISH, where you can do that, and you can actually see in those poorly differentiated, they're high expressors, the ones that were a little less differentiated patches didn't really express it and overexpress at all. I learned a lot from that particular case. Have you seen cases like that? In yes, the past? we have seen patients where patients will have two separate primaries in the same breast, and one will be ER positive and HER2 negative, and the other one might be ER negative and maybe HER2 positive. I think those some kind of two separate primaries occurring in the same patients or even in the same primary. There may be different areas which may be having different type of clonal expression. Would you give Herceptin on those patients? 
Because if we know that one clone or one tumor is HER2 positive. I think the key thing to make sure that the pathologist is looking at that area where there is HER2 new overexpression, that that area of the tumor is indeed invasive tumor. Because the thing we all know that patients who have DCIS component, which may be significant, the DCIS component can be HER2 new positive. So you don't want to treat the patient because the DCIS area was staining HER2 new positive. But if it was an invasive area with the clear area of invasion, I would think that it would be better to err on the side of treating and not to treat.